I invite you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. As we look to, as Phil alluded to, to recenter on Scripture alone. The affirmation that the Bible alone is the ultimate authority for life and doctrine and the fundamental and foundational conviction that not only shaped the Reformation, shapes us today. This is what we believe at Redeemer Church, that that true Christianity and and true gospel uh, preaching and teaching depend upon a firm commitment to the authority of God's Word, to the authority of Scripture. And just as the the Reformation, the, the leaders of the Reformation taught us, Scripture alone is vital for the life of the church because Scripture alone is the fount which flows all faithfulness, all faithful preaching, all faithful discipleship, all faithful fellowship, all faithful worship, all faithful mission. Even in times of difficulty, even in times of darkness, when those things surround us, it is important that we understand and trust that it is the Word of God that strengthens our faith and gives us courage to persevere for the glory of God. Now, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, uh, Phil has already given us kind of an introduction to Paul's life, but uh, just to, to follow up on what he's saying there, difficulty had fallen on Paul's life. We, we read that throughout his letters to the churches. We, we even understand if we go back and we look at, at Paul's first letter to Timothy, uh, things had become a lot more difficult for Paul. When he first wrote his first letter to Timothy, he was on mission. He, he, he was encouraged that he might be able to come and see Timothy. And now we see that Paul is toward the end of his life and he is chained, he is imprisoned. It's, it's, a, it's a dark time for Paul in his life. It's a difficult time for Paul in his life. But it, also, it was a difficult time for Timothy. Not only was his mentor away from him, apart from him, but also the the city and the church that he was ministering to had deteriorated. The things things were were tough where Timothy was pastoring. Not only were people leaving the faith, but that there was also people doing evil work, deceptive work in the city and in the church. So as you could expect, these these times were difficult. They, they were somewhat di- discouraging and, and uh, even heavier burdens were, were coming Timothy's way. And, and so what we're about to read here um, is an intensely personal letter from a mentor to a pupil. It is intensely personal. But not only is it intensely personal, it's also deeply theological. There are, there are some theological truths in this passage of Scripture. There are some key doctrines on the Scripture. We're not going to be able to, to, to exhaust those things this morning. We're just going to affirm those things. This, this message that, that Paul is sharing to Timothy is, is saturated with the glory of the Gospel and, and, and the foundation of our faith in Christ. And the purpose of this letter is to charge Timothy to persevere in the ministry of the Gospel. It is a call to Gospel, faith-filled endurance amid opposition and suffering and persecution. Throughout this letter, Paul gives uh, uh, Timothy instruction and charges to fan into flame, to guard the good deposit, to preach the Word. And as we're going to read this morning, to continue in faith. I want to invite you to stand with me this morning as we read 2 Timothy chapter 3. The main point of our text this morning will 
uh, and preaching will be from Timothy 10, uh, uh, 3, 10 through 17, but we're going to read the whole chapter this morning because I think it sets some, uh, the, the context well. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. Amen and amen. You may be seated. In this wonderful passage of Scripture, we see Paul, the framework of this passage, we see Paul doing one, uh, two things really. We see Paul encouraging Timothy, and then we see Paul exhorting Timothy. He was encouraging Timothy to follow his example. He was exhorting Timothy to follow his example. He was encouraging Timothy Timothy to, to continue in truth and faith in Christ. He was exhorting Timothy to, uh, uh, to continue in truth and faith in Christ. So, so the first part, before we get into really the, the meat of our message, uh, I, I want to talk just a little bit about verses 10 through 13. I want to look at Paul's encouragement to Timothy. First, we see Paul encourage Timothy by, by drawing a contrast. And the reason why I wanted to read that entire chapter because I want you to be able to see the however, uh, the, 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 the buts of the passage, so to speak. The contrast that, that Paul w- w- was showing in, in the church between those who were not continuing in the faith, but rather, than, but rather leaving the faith, to Timothy who has and is faithfully holding fast to the faith by following Paul's example. Paul gives um, uh, this message and he's writing around about these people, these, these, these difficult days in which people are lovers of self and they're lovers of money and they're, they're, de- they're deceiving and they're being deceived and they're, they're uh, surrounded by sin, they're living in sin and they have a knowledge of the truth but they will not repent and, and simply believe the truth. They are in the church, they're without the church. This contrast to Timothy, however, who has faithfully followed the teachings of Paul. 
And, and I think it's important for us to see and, and, and frame what Paul is saying here in essence to what Paul, how Paul actually lives his life. Scripture teaches us that, that following Paul's example meant something far more profound than him saying, Timothy, follow me. It's something far more profound. We, we see Paul write to the church of Corinth, and in, in chapter 11, he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So when Paul is saying, Timothy, you have followed me, in essence, what he is saying is, that, Timothy, you have followed Christ in following me. And if we take an evaluation of Paul's life here, how Timothy followed his teaching, his conduct, his aim in life, his purpose in life, his, his faith, his patience, his endurance. We begin to look at how the Scripture reveals Paul's life in his writings to the church, or, or we look at uh, uh, just the, 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 uh, the book of Acts, and we see, we see Paul, his conversion and his ministry played out. We can see how, what Paul taught. We can see how Paul lived. We, we see how Paul has persevered. And we see the example that he really set. What did Paul teach? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, For I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. How did Paul live his life? In Acts chapter 20, I do not account my life for, of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish the course and ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Or Philippians 1.21, the first part of that verse where it says, For me to live is Christ. Or Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. This is Paul's life. This is Paul's example. It was wholly and fully committed to imitating Christ, glorifying Christ, teaching Christ. For me to live is Christ. And as we look through Paul's life, we also see what this cost him. But we also see seen his mindset of that cost. He says, I count it all as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. But in that, what did he lose? He lost his position. He lost his health. He lost his livelihood. He lost all of these things that we sometimes hold so tightly to. He lost it all. He was persecuted. He, the persecutor, has now become the persecuted. He had great labors. He had imprisonments. He had countless beatings near death. He had received uh, at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was lonely. He was in danger from the elements around him, from the people that he was with, the people that he knew in the Jews, the people that he didn't know in the, the Gentiles. He, he was in danger from the false teachers and false brothers around him. He had sleepless nights. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was cold. He was hurting. He was exposed. And then you add on to him the daily pressure. Uh, uh, the burden that he had to minister to the churches. How he longed to be with Timothy even as he penned this letter. Paul is, is reminding Timothy about his sufferings for Christ. But in this, he's also reminding him that yet from them all the Lord rescued me. He is reminding Timothy, yes, I suffered for Christ and you followed me. As I lived for Christ, as I suffered for Christ, as we were persecuted for Christ, you followed me faithfully. And you know that the Lord rescued us time and time again. And then Paul does something very unique here. He, he then turns from his own personal experience to a very sober truth for Timothy. Uh, I, this 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 text here is, is deep and it is heavy 
And then when we enter into the context and we begin to wrap our mind around what Paul was going through, what Timothy was going through, and we, we enter ourselves into this story, we can see how sober and somber it really is. We can, we can feel the gravity of this text. And then Paul is talking about that. And, and I have a feeling that as Timothy is reading this letter, he knows exactly what Paul was going through as he was lashed, as he was stoned, as he was imprisoned. And then Paul takes that personal experience and he, he flips that to a sober truth that is meant to encourage Timothy. It is meant to prepare Timothy. And in principle, it is meant to, uh, uh, to also prepare the church. In verse 12, when Paul says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul is saying that he has went through great difficulty, great suffering, great loneliness, great persecution for the sake of the gospel because there is a great opposition to the gospel. There is an evil in this world that opposes God. It is a fallen world and this opposition toward God Because there's opposition to God, because there's opposition to the gospel, Paul is saying, Timothy, there will be persecution. But Timothy, in the middle of the dark and difficult days of suffering and and suffering and persecution, we have hope because we can faithfully persevere. And so what the framework of this passage is, is we see Paul's example and we see how Timothy is faithfully following Paul's example. We see this sober truth that, that persecution is going to come. Paul does not circumvent that. Paul does not just try to ease that in and, and, and soften that. He comes strong and says, you know everything that we've been through, Timothy? Guess what? It is for all who desire to be like Christ. In this context right here, the persecution was real for them to see. And in that moment, this truth hit him. And then Paul then turns from example to exhortation. Example, be encouraged in this example. Be encouraged in this example. But but Timothy, be, be encouraged through this exhortation. Be encouraged through this exhortation because we, you have hope. You can faithfully persevere. And so as you look through verses 14 through 17, we look at the how we're able to do this. How, how is a, Tim, Timothy able to continue in the faith? How is Timothy able to uh, continue in what he has learned? Again, if we notice the contrast of the people who oppose the truth to Paul examples of living by the truth, I want you to notice something in this text. Let's look down at verse 13. I think this is a great observation. So after he says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, he then says, While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue what you have learned and firmly believed. Evil people, Paul says, people that are deceived and are being deceived will go on for bad, from bad to worse. Will go on from bad to worse. But what does Timothy, I mean, what does Paul tell Timothy? Paul exhorts Timothy to not go on, but to continue in what he has learned and firmly believe. This, this word continue means to remain. It means to hold fast. It means to keep. It means to abide. It means to stay. What Paul is trying to do here, he's exhorting Timothy, he's encouraging Timothy, but say, listen, this is the main point of the text, the, the imperative of the text. Do not be like those who do not, who, who do not stay who do not remain in the truth, but continue in truth to persevere in the faith. Don't be like those who go on, continue to be deceived, have a knowledge of truth, 
but never repent and put believe in that knowledge. Don't be like that. Persevere in the faith by continuing in, remaining in, staying in, abiding in the truth. And the rest of this chapter, Paul gives foundational truths as to how and why Timothy and in principle you and I are able to it is are able to persevere in the faith to continue now as i was thinking through this passage i was like you know you know i i get a lot of things but but why is it necessary for paul to exhort timothy to continue in like he's already following why, why is it necessary? And, and I think that it's necessary for us to look at the necessity of this passage by realizing that in our fallenness, we are not prone to continue. In our fallenness, we are prone to stray. We are prone to shrink back. We are prone to run away. When times are difficult, and Paul knows this, the, the, the Spirit of God has, has, has illuminated this in Paul's life. He recognizes this, and he seeks to encourage and exhort Timothy and ultimately uh, the church that you do not have to stray because God gives you the power to stay. And I think that that is... That is, that is the important thing for us to realize as we hear this word this morning that we might say amen to this, but we need to understand that we live in a broken world who opposes the truth. That we still have a predisposition our, uh, to sin, uh, our fleshly nature. We have not been fully redeemed. We are fighting within. We are fighting without. We need to recognize that we need this word this morning. Timothy needed this word. It's a necessity to our life. If not, without this word this morning, without this exhortation, we are prone to stray, to shrink back, to run away, rather than firmly remain, continuing in what we have been taught and what we firmly believe. Do you guys want to live godly in Christ Jesus? Do you, do you want... To, to be faithful to the Lord. I think everybody in here would say yes to that. So let us look how we too can be uh, exhorted by God's Word and encouraged by God's Word this morning as we look at this conversation, this letter between Paul and his close brother Timothy. How do we do this? Look at verse 14. The second part of verse 14. Continue in what you learn and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it. Knowing from whom you learn it. Remember, remember, church, remember who showed you the Scriptures. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you've learned it. What is Paul telling Timothy here? Paul is telling Timothy that ongoing confirmation of what he has learned and whom he has learned it from will encourage him to love the Word and to keep the faith. And if you remember, just a few verses before the passage that, uh, that Phil read, if you remember in chapter 1, Paul begins his letter referencing the faith of Timothy's family. Referencing the faith of Timothy's grandmother and mother when he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am surely dwells in you. You see, what Paul is saying here is that Timothy, Timothy, you had these women in your life, these women who valued the Word of God, who, who invested in you, and now Paul is exhorting Timothy to remember his grandmother to remember His mother, to remember the people who have imparted the Word into His life. Remembering not just the fact that they taught you the Scriptures, but they lived out the Scriptures before you. Paul said he was reminded of Timothy's sincere faith 
that first dwelt in what? His grandmother and mother. In other words, their sincere faith. He's saying, Timothy, remember what they taught you, but remember the quality of their life. Remember their love. Remember their patience. Remember their grace. Remember their testimony. Paul is saying that part of the foundation of our confidence in what we are taught is the kind of people who teach you. Listen to this. The quality of the witness will always increase the credibility of the testimony. The quality of the witness. And if we really enter into this text, we're going to see that Timothy was immediately taken back to his grandmother and his mother. We, 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 have to, we have to believe that. And he began to say, what, is, what does Paul mean by this? As he's meditating on this letter, and he had to have thought about the quality of their life and how, yes, they did teach me the Scriptures. Yes, they did love me as God loved me. Yes, they were gracious to me. Yes, they were faithful to me. Yes, they were kind to me. All of these things give credibility to the testimony. Um, so, like, um, when I was growing up, I loved basketball. Like, I still love basketball. Like, it can be a very tempting thing for me. I could play all day, and I know I'm, I'm a lot like Charles Barkley now, you know. <laughs> I really was never the round mound of the rebound. But uh, I love basketball. My mom and dad are here. They could tell you about my love for basketball. I would play all day. Dad, so he'd come home from work, shine a flashlight on the go, and I would shoot. And I would shoot 100 free throws a day. And I just love basketball. But I love to watch basketball. In another context, you want some questions, I can probably tell you everybody's starting lineup in the NBA in the 1990s. Okay? All right. So, but when I was a kid, you know, everything was Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. Hands down, I don't care what anybody says, greatest basketball player of all time. And a lot, like I said, there's disagreement there. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody wanted to be like Mike. We saw it on the commercials. We saw, but, but what we saw is, why did everybody want to be like Mike? Because when he went out there, he absolutely was the best at what he was at. He, he worked at his craft. Well, me, I love college basketball. So, I, I mean, basketball in general and NBA basketball. So I liked Michael Jordan, but I liked all the guys that supported him too. Like I liked Scottie Pippen. You know, I liked Horace Grant. I liked Bill Cartwright. I, I, I liked these guys. And so one day when I was shooting free throws, I said, you know what? I'm going to start shooting like Bill Cartwright. Does anybody know who Bill Cartwright is? Okay, if you don't, it's okay. Well, Michael Jordan could shoot free throws. Steve Kerr could shoot free throws. John Passon could shoot free throws. Bill Cartwright was the worst free throw shooter ever. Like he's worse than Shaquille O'Neal, if any of you guys can remember that. And he had this funny delivery where he would take the ball and he would bring it up over his head, just like this right here. And he was a big, tall center. And he would flip it in there like that. And he'd miss it every time. And I was like, I want to shoot free throws like Bill Cartwright. And so I could shoot a free throw. I was pretty good at shooting free throws. But I wanted to be like Bill Cartwright. And from that, I never hit one. And, 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 and what I'm getting at here is that I love basketball. And I saw someone who gave credibility to the game. In other words, they said they were the best and they went and performed the best. But for me, I was looking at an example of, man, I just love basketball. Let me shoot like this guy. And the problem is, is he couldn't deliver on what he was doing. And so he didn't really give credibility to the quality of shooting a free throw. Let me give you another example. That's a lighthearted example, but I think this will help. If you wanted to go learn how to fish, if you were interested in figuring out how to fish, Caleb, this is a good word for you. All right, listen to this. Don't go ask Phil how to fish. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is feel your own personal testimony. You do not know how. Okay? All right. So, so if you want to learn how to fish... Phil is probably not the person that you would want to go to. But if you want to know about the theology of cardigans, Phil is your guy, right? <laughs> Phil is your guy. And so, uh, like uh, I was talking to Ben earlier, I asked him, what is, what is one thing if somebody come and ask you to do that you feel like totally you know, insufficient to do? He says, anything that has to do with electric- electricity. 
So, so if you want some electrical help, unless you want your house to burn down or to die, do not come to Ben. But here's what I do know about Brother Ben is that um, he loves birds. And if I wanted to know more about birds, Ben studies birds. He watches birds. He's probably a good resource for doing that. Now, those are just kind of, some of them were silly examples and, and some of them, uh, but the, the, the truth of what we're getting at here is that what Paul is saying is that the quality, the quality, the quality of the witness increases the credibility of their testimony. Phil knows about cardigans. If you don't believe it, he's got one on this morning. I guarantee he's been anticipating this morning, this cold weather. Brother Ben knows about birds. He watches them. He enjoys that. And, and that gives credibility to what he's saying. When, when, when Brother Ben says, you know what? I know this about this particular finch bird. I don't know birds. I, I, I trust him in some sense because I know that he studies that. But when I look at Bill Cartwright and he says, yeah, I shoot free throws. I'm a basketball player. No, you're terrible at it. What Paul is saying here is that continuing in the faith, persevering in the faith, remembering what you were taught and who you were taught it from. And when I think about my personal life, I think about the Scriptures coming to me. Who taught me? I think about my dad, who's here this morning, who faithfully taught the Word all my life. Who, who, who didn't just teach the Word, but showed me how to live a godly life. I think about other brothers in the Lord that come alongside of me. Mentors who, who, who saw even error in my own teaching. And it would take and come alongside of me and help me and teach me. But not only did they teach me, they showed me. And I think this is what Paul is saying right here. That this is very important. This is foundation for your confidence. And, and what I think, this is good. We don't want to labor here too much longer. But I think it's good for us just to take just a moment and think about who taught you the Word. Who showed you the Word. And by the Spirit of God, I pray that you are, that He gives you a great spirit of thankfulness right now for those people. Be thankful. Be thankful for the Protestant Reformation. We have this word today because men of God, men of God stood upon the truth. And we're able to enjoy that truth today because of it. And I think as we walk through our lives, there's a spirit of, of thankfulness that should just burst forth. That God has been so gracious to us and so kind to us to put people in our life that loved Him and loved His Word. So not, not only remember, not only remember uh, who showed you the Scriptures, but then he goes on and says, Timothy, you need to remember the substance of your scriptures. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from your childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul understands that there is something more encouraging and even more foundational to our uh, endurance in the faith and simply remembering who taught us. It's, it's good to remember who taught us, but it's not from whom you have learned, but what you have learned that is foundational to our faith. And if we look here, he says in this, how from your childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. This term sacred writings here literally means holy writings. It means consecrated writings. What, what Paul is saying to Timothy here is that from your childhood until now, you have read, you have memorized, and you have been taught the, the holy word, the, the Old Testament to this point. So Timothy, hold fast. Timothy, remain. Timothy, keep. Timothy, continue in what you have learned because these writings are sacred. These writings are holy. And they reveal the very nature and character of God. 
He is reminding Timothy that it is these sacred writings, God's holy word, that opened up his eyes to something beautiful. It opened up his eyes to something beautiful. Look what the text says. You have been acquainted with these sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation. For salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. These holy word that has revealed the, the true nature and character of God has also opened your eyes to see God's plan of salvation. This is the book that gives you wisdom that leads to salvation. It is the book that tells you the way of salvation. It tells you the plan of God to redeem sinners back into His family, to change them, to transform them, to enable them to walk in this world as His people, and one day to enter into heaven and dwell with Him forevermore. Continue in that, Timothy. Continue in that because, because it is these truths that have led you to Christ. These sacred, holy writings prepared your mind, prepared your heart to see Jesus. To see Jesus for who He is and to believe in Him. You see, the Bible, these sacred writings of the Old Testament, what we read today in the New Testament, and we read in the Old Testament as well, these, these sacred writings reveal our need for salvation. They, they, they show us how God is holy and God is righteous. It, it reveals to us how because of His holiness and righteousness, we have, we have rebelled against that and we are utterly sinful and rebellious. But it also reveals to us not only our need for salvation, but the plan of salvation, the way of salvation that Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. And what Paul is doing through this text here is he is saying, listen, don't just remember who taught you. You need to remember what they taught you. And in that teaching, in that teaching, what you need to understand is you're not saved because you know the teaching. You're not saved because you believe the teaching. You are saved by what? By faith in Christ. What Paul is saying is what Timothy already knows. So he's just saying, remember this. There is no salvation from sin. There is no, uh, no salvation from guilt. There is no salvation for condemnation apart from faith in Jesus Christ. So, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and believe because these words, you, these words, through these words, you have been saved from sin, you have been saved from death, and you have been saved from hell, and you have been saved to Christ because you have believed in Christ. Alright, so, remember the substance of the Scriptures. It's all about Jesus. <laughs> it's all about Jesus. And next, remember the source of the Scriptures. Church, we know that what we're about to read is one of the most important verses in all the Bible. Um, we know that it is foundational to Christian life and God's holy church. The Scriptures are God-breathed. The Scriptures, they are inspired. And, and this is, uh, I was talking to Ben earlier, um, there have been thousands of sermons and thousands of books and thousands of, of uh, dissertations written about the inspiration of Scripture. But what Paul is trying to, uh, and it's very difficult for us to explain in this moment and now, but at the very least, what we can say about it is, is that when Paul says all Scripture is breathed out. He means that the words penned by the human authors of Scripture are, without qualification, God's words. They are God's words. This is foundational for the Christian life. This is foundational for the church. And both our external view, the people that we have seen who have given credibility to this truth, and what we have experienced on the inside, salvation of our souls, 
they validate this truth. They validate this truth. Look at the witnesses. Look both external, look both internal. We can see that all Scripture is breathed by God. Paul is telling Timothy to place his confidence. Place your confidence, Timothy, in your, in able to persevere in the faith. Not in writings which merely express hopes and aspirations of these men, but rather writings which are themselves actually the very words of God and have the ultimate and final authority over your life. These words, Timothy, these words that your family shared with you, these words that show the beauty of God, the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the ugliness of your sin, the need for a Savior, these words that led you to Christ, trust them, believe them, remain in them, because they are the very words of God. This is the message to Timothy. And I just think about myself sitting there and Timothy and I putting myself in his shoes. And even today, I am greatly encouraged that I'm not giving my life to some man. (laughs) I'm giving my life to God. That we don't sit here and just assemble together and, and, and circle around some idea or ideology or thought. We are coming around the firm foundation of the truth that this is God's Word. Every single jot and tittle. All Scripture is God-breathed. But not only remember the source of the Scripture, but finally, remember the sufficiency of Scripture. He says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul is saying, Timothy, because Scripture is the Word of God, it is valuable, it is helpful, it is rewarding, it is useful, and it is worth giving your life for. Paul is telling Timothy that the Word of God works. The Word of God works. These are not just words on a page. These words are God's words. And God's Word works for our good and His glory. This is the message here. And he says, Timothy, what you need to know and what you need to remain in is this truth. You need to know that the Word of God is powerfully practical for your life. It teaches us. (coughs) Scripture reveals what is right. Scripture teaches us. Doctrine reveals what is right. It's it's powerfully practical because it convicts us. It it, it reproof. The reproof of Scripture. Not only does Scripture reveal what is right, but Scripture is also revealed to us what is not right. But also, Timothy, it is powerfully practical because not only does it instruct you and convict you, it also corrects you. Listen to the the grace-saturated tone of this passage. The Scriptures reveal how to make you right. Like, like, Like we need to understand and what we believe that according to Scripture alone, we believe salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. That He doesn't leave us in our sin. No, no, no. The Bible, God's Word is powerfully practical in your life today, but also in salvation because it shows you what is right. It shows you what is not right. And then it, by His grace, makes you right. But listen, it don't stop there. It is powerfully practical in that the Scriptures reveal how to keep you right. How to make you right. How to stay right. The Bible trains us. 
It is instruction for righteousness. It it instructs us how we can be like Christ. Christ doesn't just come into our life, change us, transform us, and and by His Spirit seals us into the day of redemption. No, He is constantly through the work and the sufficiency of Scripture and the sanctification of, of God's holy work on your life. He is making you more and more and more like Christ. More loving, more patient, more enduring, more kind, more gracious. He is making you that way. It's not something that we can boast in. It is God's grace to us. And then finally, not only does the Bible instruct us, convict us, correct us, train us, but the Bible also equips us. The profitable effect... The profitable effect of God's Word working in your life is that the man of God, Timothy, that you may be complete and equipped for every good work. You may be equipped and complete for every good work. Paul saying, guard the good deposit. Continue in the faith. And in chapter 4, preach the Word. Do the work of the evangelist. And what Paul is doing is laying down the foundation of telling, listen, Timothy, every good work that God expects you to do, the Scriptures equip you to do. Praise God for the church today. Like we don't, we don't have to fight for victory. We heard of that. We fight from victory. And we don't have to muster up good works for salvation. We trust in the good work of salvation in Christ Jesus. And you know what? We don't have to try to equip ourselves and roll up our sleeves and go to work. No, the Scriptures equip us in doing that work. We don't have to be burdened down by the commands of Scripture. We can know that it is in Scripture that is helping us and equipping us to do. It is the Word of God that equips the people of God to do the work of God. All praise and glory be to His name. By God's grace, His Word has come to Timothy. And by God's grace, His Word will work in and through Timothy. The Word of God is sufficient for all things. The Word of God is supreme in salvation and it is sufficient in sanctification. The purpose of God's Word is to show us Christ, make us like Christ, and lead us to enjoy Christ forevermore. This is the Word of God and this is why we stand firmly on this truth. I want to give you two applications in closing. Two applications in closing. And I pray that the Spirit of God would specifically direct you in your application and what you're going through in your life to help you, to help you flesh this out a little bit more. First, devote yourself to the Word. I believe that was Timothy saying, listen, continue in what you have learned. Continue. You're walking in it, continue in it. You're walking in faith, continue in faith. And what he's saying is devote yourself to the God-inspired, infallible, inerrant Word that is profitable to you, Timothy. It, it trains you. It instructs you. It corrects you. It equips you. Devote yourself to the Word. And I believe that that message is true for us today. That God speaking uh, 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 through Paul to Timothy and ultimately to the church, saying devote ourselves to the Word. In other words, read it, memorize it, teach it in our lives, in our homes. Think about your family. Think about who do you want your children to hear the Word from. Be like Eunice. Be like Lois. Devote yourselves to the Word. Teach it. Lead in the Word. It is the Word of God that enables and empowers the people of God to joyfully persevere in faith in God. And we can do that by devoting ourselves to the Word. Now, I know that that sounds easier said than done, so I want to to speak a word of application here that I believe we all need to hear. And I believe that there's people specifically that feel like they're in dark and difficult times. 
You, you, you could be suffering from within. You could be suffering without. It could be gospel persecution. Um, it might just be just the fact that all the world around you is, is going in a direction that is rebellious against God and you are going trying to live for God. Not only do you need to devote yourself to the Word, but this morning, receive the Word. Receive the Word. It's profitable. And what I mean by that is, Ryan Howard back there, the Word of God is sufficient to help you when a baby doesn't sleep at night. That's difficult. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> that is difficult. Well, Marcia said yesterday, she says, um, I really need about 12 years of sleep. And uh, to make up for Josie and, and Jameson, I was like, well, Jameson's only four, and uh, I, I guess she earned interest, and I believe that she did. Um, there, there is grace for that. And, and in the Word, if you devote yourself to it and you receive the blessing from the Word, it's going to encourage you to persevere, to give God glory, to see and embrace that responsibility and to love your family well. God's Word is sufficient. It's sufficient for you, uh, uh, parent who is has that toddler at home. And, you know, I think about uh, what Marsha and I are dealing with, and I think about Phil and Candace, you know, that, that terrible twos that seem to be threes that roll up into fours. And what I found out, that roll into seventeens, you know, um, that uh, it's hard. And we need God. And we need help. And the Word of God is sufficient to help you. I think about, and I'm going to close with this. I think about Ron and the difficulty that you face with just your physical suffering the last, well, pretty much all your life, but the last few years have been pretty rough. And I just want to let you know, I just want to encourage you this morning that the Word of God is sufficient. He is your very present help in time of need. And if you devote yourselves to the Word and you receive the food, you will be blessed and you will enjoy life even in the middle of difficulty. It doesn't mean that that difficulty is going away on this side of eternity, but it means that you can enjoy God and you can know Him. Church, this is the message of 2 Timothy chapter 3. May you be encouraged by the preaching of God's Word.